What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Planning Desk Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Burmeister, joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Purple, Tony Steak. Tony, hello. Tom, hello. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. We're off All and right. running, so. All right, off and running. Good. Oh, yeah, chop, chop. Oh, yeah, we actually have another a, a guest today. A, a, in, in person. In person guest today in Christian Schmidt of RA Oasis. Hi, Kristen. Hi. Welcome to the Hi. Planning Desk. so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. Now, we all know the rules by now, but the but the rule is if you are coming in locally, you need to bring your favorite local beer. Now, I feel terrible though because you haven't had a beer. Do oh. not feel terrible about that. I have this is my first beer in 1 year. Now, Full disclosure, that just means I wasn't drinking beer. doesn't mean I wasn't drinking anything else. Okay, that's good. Uh, but this is the best way to celebrate it. So thank good, you. Good, In this person, is... first time I've been in person anywhere besides in my own house. So wow. thank you. We're glad this to have awesome. you. And this now this is New Glarus, which yes. is, it, this is a cult-followed beer, right? It yeah. is. So Spotted Cow is one of the best beers that you can get here. And um, I have family all around the U.S. You also cannot ship this. Nope. Right. So it means they come here. Um, Partially for this. So yeah, thank they you. actually ca- they, they don't catch you at the border, but there's like been that. conversations I've been, I've been about mm-hmm. it yeah, to... right? Yeah. Well, it, we have happens. employees that drive down from Winnipeg and take a bunch back in the bed of their truck. Yep, the, yes. that salami and cheese. Yep. Right? It That's used to be for. custard. So here, Wisconsin was the only state that actually had custard because custard has um, egg yolk, which is raw, and that was illegal in Minnesota and other Midwest states. So I used to have family that would come with coolers and bring custard back home because they couldn't wow. get it. But you got the good stuff here. Well, thank you for the new Glarus. Absolutely. We will drink this throughout the episode. It is 5 o'clock somewhere. Yes, <laughs> um, absolutely. Yeah, so before we get into Aria Oasis and these amazing topics that we've kind of laid out, quite frankly, we could probably do four or five episodes on the topics of what you do. And that would only take us like eight days. Eight. <laughs> and with our prep time, yeah. three to six yeah. weeks. Okay. Yeah. So, well, what we love to do, though, is Tom's favorite segment is asking our guests dumb questions. Ah. Yeah. So All let's right. get to know Kristen Schmidt, founder of RAA Oasis. Let's start with an easy one. Night owl or morning person? Both. Both. Okay. Unfortunately for me, I, uh, I'm up late and I uh, am up very early. I'm up about four. Oh, the perils what? of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm up at 14 most days. But four a.m. That's my choice. Wow. Um, yeah, I have a dog who, unfortunately, is four years old, and when he was a puppy, we just he started getting up with me. So yeah, he's up between four and four thirty with me, and uh, it's that's definitely my quiet time. But night owl, in a sense of just winding down. Um, I enjoy taking my time when everybody else is is asleep. So both. Yeah. All right, let's go. Dream vacation spot that you have not yet visited. Everywhere. <laughs> anywhere but, an, anywhere COVID, but right? anywhere yeah but i mean Milwaukee. i think that's a harder question in fact i was watching your podcast with tyrone um which i loved and i know he was struggling with that and it's like it seems like it's been forever um unfortunately i well i am very lucky because i get to travel for this business right and we all do with all the conferences that are out there and i speak and then i also uh, travel on site to a lot of client offices um so i have been a lot of places but i've i don't get a lot of time to explore sure. a lot of yeah. places oh, yeah. and so we have a rule in our house now that i used to buy magnets for my kids to put on the wall or little you know trinkets and my son said you can't buy a magnet unless you actually spent some time there so <laughs> that's the new it's rule fair. but fair. um anywhere warm i you know being born and raised here in milwaukee uh anywhere yeah. warm favorite yeah. hobby i love to cook i love to cook and bake which sounds really nerdy um, but I, uh, 
I am Italian. So I come from a very Italian side. Um, and that's actually where the attitude comes from as well. <laughs> um, so I love to cook and bake. I do love to walk. Um, I wish I could do more of the power exercising that everybody talks about and everybody's on social media about. Um, uh, I can't do any of that. I have rods and screws in my back, so, um, oh. but very healthy. So um, I do love to walk like miles, like I'll mm -hmm. do 12 mile walks and enjoy that. But uh, I haven't done 12 miles in the last three years combined. Mm, no, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. And it's, it's slow pace, um, you know, long term. But so I love to do that. Um, it's the little things for me because I do uh, work and raise two boys on my own. So uh, the time I get is minimal, but it's the best. Good. Let's see. Last show you binge watched. Last show I binge watched, that's a good one. Um, well, I'll tell you, we just started watching some old ones just because there's nothing really on right now and stuff's kind of delayed. And so we started watching Entourage again. Oh, and it's, I've been meaning it's, to come back around to that too. Yeah. Um, first of all, it takes you into a time that mm -hmm. is just, I wish. Yes. Um, you know, with the flip phones and the... Uh, the amazing fashion. Yes. Um, and some really good faces in there. Little Marky Mark showed up in one yep. of the episodes. It's like, my goodness. Barry Alvarez so that was, made yeah. an appearance in one of those. Yeah, so. exactly. Uh, last book you read? You know, I've been rereading books. Um, I have a poor habit of reading books for a purpose of whether it's for my clients or whether for it's, it's for my own enjoyment. And so um, I just reread Blink. Mm. and um, really enjoyed that by Malcolm. And then also um, currently uh, reading starts with why. There's a oh, lot yeah. of Simon Sinek in me, huh. um, and that was obviously his first. Yep. And he has others, but I needed to kind of revisit that one. Ironically, um, I was made to read that book as a requirement because I joined the TD Ameritrade operations panel many, many years ago. And that's how they kicked off the panel was that everyone needed to come in with that mindset and have read that book before we started um, and that was really impactful. So working on that one again, I think it's a different perspective when you read a book many, many years later. How cool is that? Mm -hmm. Wow. All right, last one. Favorite color. Say it. <laughs> Do it. I have to say purple, right? <laughs> no, my favorite color is green. Always has been uh, different Genius shades of green. Genius has picked green. Yeah. yeah. Genius has picked green. Yeah. Science is Thus, proven. my logo is green for the company. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's always been. But uh, we'll, we'll call purple comes in very close second. Close second. Purple is the choice of royalty. <laughs> yes. When we come back from the break, we are going to talk to Kristen Schmidt about building the perfect client experience model. Stay tuned. So we're back on the planning desk, joined today in person by Kristen Schmidt, founder and president of RIA Oasis, which I just found out is two acronyms, not just one, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But Kristen, what I've always found fascinating, no matter how many times I hear this story, is just your career progression kind of through mm. the financial services industry. So why don't you give us a little bit of a glimpse into kind of your career, uh, you know, career history and kind of what led you to, uh, to start this really cool business? Sure, sure. Um, a lot of my interest in operations, best practices and technology comes from being boots on the ground as the COO of uh, RA locally here for over 10 years. So I really started in the industry and the way I tell the story, a lot of my, my clients and, and colleagues and friends understand that um, I started in the industry before Al Gore invented the internet, is how I like <laughs> to say it, right? So back in the day, we were processing new account forms on carbon paper and uh, you know, I was updating people's CRMs with a floppy disk and kicking them off their computer. Mm. 
Um, that we are, we are faxing trade requests. Crazy. So that's just the way of the world, and that's all we knew. None of us had cell phones and social media and anything else. And so I got to be a part of the technology you know, world as it evolved and as it innovated right from the get-go. So I just had a lot of opportunity with this firm to do things first. And so because of that, because we were doing it first as a firm locally here um, and growing from nothing to, uh, by the time I had left 10 years later, there were a billion uh, dollars with about 76 advisors and reps and a couple satellite offices. And um, technology was just everything. And so the problem was we were doing it first, so I was one of the people spearheading how we should do this thing called technology and how do we collect client data and where do we put it. And then new things were coming out. I mean, I was, you know, we just did a, a fabulous webinar with Brian McLaughlin of, yeah, of Redtail of and Corey Westfall from Mobile Assistant. And um, I was one of their first clients, both of their platforms. Um, I was one of Brian's first clients back in, I mean, what is it, 17 years ago, however Crazy. long it is. Did it come on a CD? Or was yeah. it, uh, <laughs> no, that was it? actually the really cool part is that that was the first CRM that was cloud-based mm -hmm. that people were actually talking about. And it was like, what? You didn't, you know, Morningstar sends us a CD. Why wouldn't, you know, why wouldn't Redtail? Sure. And so it was a new thing to know that your data was there and that it was safe and what is the cloud. So after I left that firm, um, I worked for a tech company for a while and realized that my scope of tech interest is the entire tech stack. So as much as I was working for one great company, I kept seeping out into the other pieces of, you know, clients' issues and hurdles and pain points. So I ended up working for a consulting firm for a while and about four years ago started this company so that I could kind of do it my way in a sense mm -hmm. of, um, and, and you and I have talked a lot about sure. the need, right? Um, the massive. need for firms and what do we see that they need. And I think the hardest part as a consultant, you know, in, in some respects is you have to be, you have to be on trend. What's on trend? But if you flip that a little bit and say the only thing that's on trend is either what we think is important or what we think we should be doing. Just because everybody else does doesn't mean that you should. Right. Right? But that's where trend seems like a popularity contest. It's and I think we're beyond that in our industry. We're now recognizing that trend means the end client might need this or the end client might be expecting this or I need to start delivering something different because they're bored, they're not intrigued. There's bigger things than just investment management. And so all of those things came to light, which kind of brought me to, to offering some service models that were not only focusing on the tech, but how you run your business in the tech, which I think a lot of people are forgetting about. I was actually reminiscing to the days of yore. In fact, it was T3 right before the pandemic hit. And I did a video with uh, Investment News, and we talked about advisors buying the flashy object. We mm -hmm. talked about um, the amount of, you know, just technology purchasing that was occurring with a very low usage rate, right? Yeah. They caught like 10% of the product. And I think you're right, right? They're moving away from that. They're starting to realize like, we talked about, we just talked about streaming services you yes. know, during the, just a minute ago and how everyone's just buying up all these streaming services. And then you realize you're like, maybe it's time to kind of reevaluate that. So is that an exercise you perform in these businesses? Do you kind of reevaluate? I do. I do. So my first step is to do a tech stack intake. And it sounds pretty simple, but I literally ask everything that you're using. And I make a graphic out of it. It's pretty kindergarten-esque, but I take logos and put them in the squares that we can really see. When you tell me, well, I do risk tolerance. I, I do risk, risk intake. Great. What, you know, what system are you using? What's the process? If it's on paper, 
you know, an icon of a yellow pad goes there. There's nothing wrong with it, but as we look at that entire tech stack, we can tell, well, no wonder that data is not getting anywhere or it's sitting on somebody's desk or it's scanned in mm. to an S drive, and that's why it's not being resourced, right? So we can identify pain points through that process. What's interesting is when I do a tech intake, though, it's all of the hurdles that people share when they're sharing their tech in stack, uh, that, that stack. For example, if the doctor says, you know, last time you were here for your arm, how's your arm? You might say, it's doing better, but you know my leg. <laughs> and it just brings up conversation. So very often I'll say, you know, what's your CRM? Well, I'm using this, but, or where we're struggling is. Um, very common to your comment, you know, we're using, let's say, you know, we're using Black Diamond, we're using Orion, but it's killing me how much I'm paying for it. Big red flag. Sure. Why? It shouldn't kill you with how much you're paying for it because those things are gold. Right. And they are more than just a portfolio management system. They are a billing system. They are a trading and rebalancing system. They are a client experience. So you're getting a ton out of it, even though it might feel like it's hitting the pocketbook. The only reason that that seems expensive to you is because you're using 10% yeah, of it. Yeah, you're feeling you use the whole thing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Or you might have five of those things, right? I feel like right. I have five client portals. I have three financial planning tools. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as there's an intention to use them and it's purposeful, mm -hmm. right? So I think that's a lot of it when we look at that tech stack is where do you feel like you have holes? Some things look great on paper. Mm -hmm. I can look at a tech stack and say, I don't, I'm not even sure why you're talking to me. And then all of a sudden you know, all of the pain points come through through the woodwork. And I think that's that's the biggest piece. Let's take one step back real quick. Sure. You know, we talk about tech and we're going to absolutely drill into tech on this episode. Um, but I want to address the bigger issue with the client experience, right? And not only the misnomer of what a client experience is, but how do you assess that in light of technology, of course, but mm -hmm. how do you assess the client experience? What, what does that exercise look like? So it's funny, when we were prepping for this, I asked you, I, I separate client experience by two <laughs> yes, different <we> things. <laughs> no, we prepped. Uh, I see client experience as two different things. One is, how are we servicing the client? Is there, you know, in our, in our world, we call it a service model, and where does this person fit? How often should I be reaching out to them? How often should I be meeting with them? Uh, there's the second client experience, which is where they log in to transparently see information with or without you, right? So that's kind of the two pieces. When we look at the ongoing client service, I think where advisors are really feeling a little shell-shocked right now is, I mean, obviously pandemic has changed how sure. we meet with clients. There used to be golf outings and wine tastings and, um, you know, seeing people at in community events. And sometimes that was a relationship builder. Mm -hmm. And without that, a lot of firms are struggling. But what does that translate to? These advisors wanting to show their value to their clients. And so how do we show our value is not by delivering a 92-page plan, right? It's you show it by interest. You show it by caring. You show it by milestones, right? We noticed you just had a 50th birthday, right? Um, the idea that they feel remembered. So a lot of client service now is two pieces, I believe. One, milestone moments or impactful moments that they've shared with you, whether that has to do with their goals collected in some type of technology like you have, right? Um, or impactful information in regards to how they want to be met with. I can't tell you how many advisors I meet with when I say, have you asked your clients when they want to meet with you? Because I, I use the example. My mom is retired, lives in San Diego. She loves her quarterly meetings. Like, it's just something to do. She feels important. She feels updated. It gives her peace of mind. 
I, I don't meet with my financial advisor because I'm good. Mm-hmm. Unless something's on fire, call me and then I will answer. Sure. But I got a lot going on and I'm actually paying you the same amount my mom is for you to not bother me. Right. Okay. It's just my, it's, it's my personality and it's my lifestyle. Um, maybe, you know, and, and I have nerve, nerves. I have two kids going into college in the next, you know, three years. I, I don't necessarily want to talk about it every quarter. I know what's coming. Don't and I don't necessarily want to talk about retirement planning because I'm not sure I'll ever be able to retire. Don't want to look. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that how I want to be, you know, serviced in a sense of being provided information is extremely different. I am a tech savvy person. I have minimal time on my hands. I would like to have a portal, log in whenever I want, being a night owl and a morning person. Uh, my mom wants that phone call. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get the phone call on her birthday. It's a big deal. If she doesn't get the phone call, you know, uh, when her husband is in the hospital, it's a big deal. So I think it's the service that the client wants that we're forgetting to ask and document. And then um, getting out of that mindset that we have to meet with people quarterly. It's just an old school way of servicing clients that isn't a thing anymore. We're not reviewing portfolio reports that are from last quarter. We have real-time data at our hands in all of this technology within bigger conversations of goals and cash flow and net worth. And I think that's where the servicing really needs to land. So could could you talk about, although I think a lot of the principles that you preach are really universally applicable across the industry, but could you talk about your ideal client profile or the type of clients that that you work with the most for folks that might not be as knowledgeable about your business? Yeah. I work with all different types of firms because this type of conversation can be leveraged at any level. But I usually say the best way for me to explain it is, a firm that feels like they're too big to be small and too small to be big. Mm-hmm. So they've even they've either chosen some software or technology because it was blingy or because it was cheap or it was just something everybody else it seemed like they were using they it, like so the I picked guy. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or I was at the conference and the guy grabbed me and I never left his his booth <laughs> yeah. and I ended up signing up. Whatever Tom it might does be. That well. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I work with firms that are looking to leverage pieces. Um, normally those are firms anywhere from 500 million and up in AUM or have at least 10 to 15 people on staff where, um, their staff is feeling like they're drowning. Their staff is wishing that they had more efficiency or the executives are looking for more growth, right? Mm -hmm. This just shouldn't be this hard is usually what I hear. I also work with a lot of firms that say, we don't know what we don't know when it comes to this tech, right? Um, it's, it's easy to be able to talk to all the vendors and get information, but taking it and saying, what am I supposed to do with all of this is really hard. So I always say, I'm not going to help you decide, but I will help you identify the benefits and consequences of putting this in your stack. And hopefully that pushes you forward. You know, I liken it to uh, that Jenga game, right? Mm -hmm. You pull out one little piece and they could all crumble or it could stand still. And I think a lot of firms are worried about taking that risk of what else will fall through the cracks. Because when you're replacing technology or you're identifying processes that need to be repeatable, um, it's a make it or break it. Because by the end of the day, you still have to run your business while you implement all this stuff. Oh, it's funny, you know, so many thoughts around this topic, right? Because Mm -hmm. I love the concept of, you know, we're too big to be small, we're too small to be big, right? Right. And, you know, you've heard me say before, advisors aren't technologists, advisors aren't good at running their business, and those aren't supposed to be negative, right? Because mm-hmm. advisors are, they're, they're built to do a certain thing, which is yep. to work with clients, which yep. is to grow their business, which is to be empathetic, right? And all those things. And so sometimes 
What's great, I mean, it's great the fact that they've found success and they're growing, right? But then they're experiencing those, those technological growing pains right? or those processes. And I think that's so important. Like, I know we're a technology podcast. Right? I know, you know, it's all about Navaplan, right? But, like, the advisor needs to understand the power of the workflow and yeah. the power of repeatable processes. Because yeah. when you add pair planners, when you add more advisors, when you add an office manager, those individuals need to know right? How the business should be run. Now, they should be able to provide their opinion or to bring in a consultant such as yourself. But, you know, it's easy to get away from you if you're not focusing on the stage growth, applying those workflow processes and making sure you're maximizing the value of your technology. No, you're spot on. And um, I'll let you know that I'm one of your supporters, although I heard you got a little bit of heat from it in saying, um, I will will back you 100% and just say it myself. Anybody who owns an RIA is not a good business owner, and they also don't know how to manage people. And I think we all just need to be honest with ourselves and say, and that's okay. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> that's totally okay, because that actually isn't what you're good at. And, and so I think instead of you know, defending that, you can still own a business and not like doing it. You can still own a business and not be fantastic at it. That is why you hire amazing superheroes. Um, I liken it to when my kids were in elementary school. The, uh, the principals obviously took on all the responsibility of those kids and those teachers in that school, right? Made yep. it run. But at the end of the day, do you know who we all loved as the parent? Was the secretary. She knew my son's birthdays. She was there every time they were sick. She was the one running that school. The principal just got all the accolades. And so I think it's the same idea with these firms. So when we talk about running a business, yeah, it's tough. I think there's a couple of things that business owners can do. Number one, the business owners should not be making the decision on the tech and best practices that need to be implemented. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. You are involved in the process, and we can't do it without you, but you have no idea how that process runs, and you shouldn't. You should be meeting with your clients. You Mm -hmm. should do what you do best, however you do it. Whether you're sitting in a meeting for three hours and those are your clients, or whether you're just, you know, uh, shaking hands and moving on and prospecting and making it rain, that's fine too. But I think that when I am on calls with these technology companies and other firms, and I see these executives making these decisions, I'm like, you're never going to even log in. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be a user. You're not going to be driving repeatable process by workflow in these right. systems. So I think it's really important that the doers, number one, have a voice for buy-in to change and to the tech they're implementing. And then number two, are there to say, how does this displace things? And to have some honest conversations of, this is really scary. This so is really scary. At the beginning of the segment, I, I talked about the, the dual acronym of RIA Oasis. So let's, why don't mm. you tell us about that? And we can use that as a segue to kind of jump into your overall thesis for kind of how you approach uh, these businesses that you're working with. So RIA, we all know, we all know what that stands for, but Oasis, what is it? Old ass software is stupid or what? Is, is it, <laughs> I love it. I love Actually, that. I might need a new one. Um, that that might be treated a little in a little bit when I get out of here. Yeah, we're, oh, I love it. Um, and you know, Tony's so you thinking know of the other pre- two we letters. Did, we did a lot of prep on You this. did. Look at all this. Is, is I'm, impressed. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. It is an initialism. Ah, see, look at, look at Guthrie's Jeez. smart. I should just go home. You guys got this. It's really inefficient <laughs> advisor before you work with them. Yeah, right? really inefficient exactly. advisor. Oh my uh, goodness, write this down. That yeah, actually, 
Yeah, you need to tweet that later. So always I, I will, real. I, I will tweet. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to get in trouble for it then, but I'll tweet oh, it out. Oh, God, I like no, that, that, no, that's Take really good. I'll do it. You, I won't get in trouble. I'll no, I'll do it. No, um, you do it. <laughs> so OASIS is an acronym, yes, like everything else in our industry, um, which is uh, Operational and Strategic Implementation Services. So a couple things that make me different in what I do, because there's a lot of amazing consultants out there, right. and I work with many of them. I am hired by many consultants as what we call a subject matter expert. So a lot of behind the scenes and firms forget this is that you don't just have to have one consultant, although it's a lot. And I call it, you know, kind of open in the robe a little bit. If you have consultants that are really good in one space, we either work with each other or overlap each other to fully move you forward quicker, right? Accelerate mm -hmm. what you need. And so um, two things that make me different. One is I am an implementer. A lot of consultants say, I think you need to go here. And then they'll say, good luck with that. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it, but you feel a little bit empty inside of like, how do I bring this to life? So um, I don't do the homework. Your staff still needs to do all the homework, but I am a super project manager. So I manage you, your staff, the vendor, and everything surrounding it. Also, because I'm taking into account your entire tech stack, I have some other future plans. So just because we did this or we removed this, I understand the impact it's taking on all other seven pieces of your system. Or I help you rework some of the processes or integrations because of that displacement. Um, the other reason that I'm different is that I have built this business with um, the truth that I do not get paid by vendors. So I'm sitting here because I live 30 minutes away from here and love being here and you're, you guys are dear friends of mine. But ultimately, I, I refuse all payments by vendors so that I can uphold a fiduciary uh, standard that they hold up to their clients. So I keep up on everything on behalf of these advisors. And I think that's where that implementation piece mm -hmm. really comes in. But I am now randomly thinking of what my company name should stand <laughs> yeah. for. So thank you. <laughs> well, we will BRB on the Planning Desk podcast. And we do actually, we'll dive into one of my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite in. Christian Schmidt-isms, which is CRP, Consistent Repeatable Process, which I can now say really fast because I say I've stole it. Mm -hmm. and I say it all the time. So we'll BRB on the Planning Desk podcast. Welcome back from the break. I'm your host, Tony, with the Planning Desk Podcast. We had just a great session with uh, Kristen on the concept of the client service model, right? And how that's not just technology, that's really kind of identifying the entire experience a mm -hmm. client has with your practice. And we talked about something very interesting that I want to, that we want to drill in further. And that's the concept of transforming your business as an advisor, right? Because you know, we talked about growth pains, Mm -hmm. We talked about CRP, all sorts of acronyms that I can't keep up with. Um, but I think that's really important because you have a lot of advisors that are seeing an influx in prospects, a great deal of um, AUM growth, right, both because of their success but also because of the market. And we expect that to continue to grow, right? So in this segment, let's talk a little more about how you are helping advisors really transform their practice from kind of that small shop, one or sure. two people, really going up there. And I think I want to start with this. You mentioned something very uh, interesting um, about how it's your job to know the technology, right? Because advisors can't travel. They can't go to conferences. They see a lot of stuff. So what does that look like? How do you, how do you not only understand their practice, but then provide the right technological recommendations? It's mm, a good question. Um, a couple things. Number one, 
each firm does have a uniqueness. You know, I, I kind of tease about this a lot. Every prospect that I talk to on the phone is like, well, but Kristen, we're different. We're special, okay. oh, right? We're not. We're all delivering the same thing, but in a very, very different and personalized way. So absolutely, every advisor is great at what he or she does in a sense of understanding what a client needs and truly creating and fostering that relationship, no questions asked. But yeah, we're all using the same stuff. Right. We are. There's no secret about that. So I think instead of worrying about, am I using, you know, I get this all the time, is it best of breed, right? Who cares? It needs to match how you want to be servicing these clients. And I do think you still have to consider, is it helping me today and will I be able to grow with it? Okay. If you don't think you can grow with it, then you do need to have your eye on a couple other things and decide when the best time is to switch it or to add to it. Um, I also think that when you talk about that client servicing, I think that we need to start building that as workflows and processes in the system. And that's hard. I've said this before. If workflows were easy, everybody would have them and we wouldn't be talking about them. Sure. So it's really hard to do. But let's talk about the service model I was talking about before, right? Like my mom wants to meet every quarter. She loves it. She loves the attention. She feels loved and she loves the updates, right? So if she's in your CRM or any of your other systems, she should be on a cycle and there should be something reminding you. But not only to schedule the meeting, to do all the things, as we say, right? To do the intake, to read everything about every conversation you've had with her. How did she fare during pandemic? What, what else is going on with her, with her health, with her goals, right? And the same thing with me. Because I am on a much lighter service model, right? Because it's what I want and it's what I need, then the one time you do talk to me per year, it's got to be impactful. Mm -hmm. And we got to cover a lot of ground because just because I'm talking to you for, you know, once per year doesn't mean I got three hours to spare. I mean, I do for you guys with <laughs> Nuclearis, of oh, course. But, Thank goodness. But otherwise, I think that, that that piece is really important. So those are those are those repeatable processes, right? Whether they're nice, nice to have reminders of birthdays and, and mm -hmm. TLCs versus the really impactful stuff. And I think a lot of firms are struggling with that. That's a workflow you trigger. So if somebody is a level one service or you know, a platinum, gold, bronze, silver, we're used to those. Those should be fields in your CRM. Those should be triggering workflows to remind you. I think we often talk about being proactive versus reactive, especially in what you guys do with, with your software. And I think it's important. Yeah. And anybody who talks to Kristen a lot like we do knows that with, with Kristen, definitions are important. She just said like, well, what are we talking about for client experience? That's just that's yeah. a, very, sure. a lot of buzzwords out there. But uh, I mean, I think you do a great job of making sure that they have specific meanings. And one of, your, one of my favorite anecdotes of yours is is around planning, because I think a lot of advisors, when you come in and you've said this, is yeah, yeah, we do planning every client. We do planning for every client. So since we're on the planning desk, can you kind mm -hmm. of walk the viewers through what that conversation looks like and, sure. and how you actually do get to a real definition yeah. of a plan. Yeah, at the end absolutely. Of the day. I think on one of your other podcasts, you guys were talking about it. I mean, the last conference I was at was Wellstack, crazy, crazy. enough, which yep. was crazy. one of the best experiences ever. And then it just, everything yep. went away, right? But um, yeah, that was actually something that, that went kind of viral at that conference is I said, you know, when I ask firms if they're financial planning centric and they say, yeah, we use Excel, my answer is no, you're not, right? <laughs> um, and that, that's not a thing. Um, you can fool yourself around that, but that's not formidable to give your clients what they need and to grow your business. And so what I think is the hardest part about planning is you really are collecting so much data. We mm -hmm. all know that. But where does data live 
versus where do I see it? And then let's take it one step farther to say, where do I see it in a cliff note version? Sure. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what firms are really looking for. You know, I hear a lot, if I need to get to the nitty gritty of stuff, if I need to run a plan, if I have to run scenarios within a system, I know the systems I need and I'll go to them and I'll run it. But if Jim Smith's calls me, I need just, and I, I always say it's that client's story that's really important. And sometimes we're gathering so much that one, it's hard to get it out. If you only have one advisor in the room listening to that whole story, unfortunately, you're not going to get everything out right. of that, right? right? Um, I mean, let's think about it. When we, you know, I, I've spoken about my family, and nobody is going to the doctor's office alone these days. Everybody's bringing somebody. Why? Because they're the extra set of eyes and ears. So collecting the data, understanding where it belongs, and then also understanding all those little things that maybe we forget about. I mean, have you ever documented a meeting and said in those notes, you know, seemed a little bit nervous, seemed off today, you know? Wasn't, you know, seemed a little bit antsy or fidgety with what we were talking about. I think I need to check in in a month, right? Those are the things you should be gathering and that your client service person and everybody else in the office should know. And then I get the question, well, where do we put all that, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's hard to identify that. Collecting it, you need to have a system that helps you collect it. You need to have a system that integrates it and pushes it to those places that you need it. But then you also, as a team, need to identify what is meaningful to us or to this client. Because we don't need 50 pages of what you talked about. We mm -hmm. don't. Uh, we need to document it, but we don't need that in front of us every day. I think it's what is that, you know, cliff note story is really important. And we're still struggling with tech to show that. Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we've talked about this at length, right? The concept of understanding the client at a different level, right? At a dimensional level, because we all have technology that collects data. We have technology mm -hmm. that will store data. Um, but the questions you're asking are critical, right? Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this, and we're going to do an episode on team-based planning, because what we found is as, as advisor shops grow right? There's going to be new faces. And the discovery process around understanding meaningful information around that client or prospect is so critical to the success. Because in the first segment, we talked about milestones, right? Following up on birthdays mm -hmm. and all that. And the, the CRM systems will trigger that, tell you to call, right? But if you don't know that, or if you didn't hear that, or you didn't pick that up in a meeting and probably document that, but also discover it correctly, uh, you know, that's a fundamental failure because yeah. you've removed the personification of the relationship. You re you're removing the gamma, mm -hmm. which would, of course, be replaced by, for instance, a digital, op a digital option. So mm -hmm. when, I, when you think about that, when you think about the position of like, how can you make sure gamma's in place and how can you make sure you're being empathetic and being that human advisor, where can RIA Oasis help? in that mm -hmm. part like because we've talked a great deal about you know you've done some workshops and you do the studies and you do the technological mm -hmm. technology audits you do the workflow analysis the crp stuff but really just how do you educate that client on demonstrating that gamma sure no it's a great question um a couple things number one 99.9 percent .9 of the time the process or the intent of where this business should be is in the heads of the executives. Right. So a lot of it needs to get out of there. And a lot of what I do is talking and strategizing about how it is not valuable being there. Because 
we, I, I tease about this all the time, you know, we're not Amazon. We don't offer a service that can just deliver it on Prime tomorrow on your doorstep, right? What we deliver, similar to me as a consultant, is this. It's the value. It's the opening of the eyes. It's about thinking about it in a different way. But a lot of advisors feel that their value needs to be secretive, right? Mm -hmm. I'm the only one who can do this. And I think we need to give that up a little in sure. the gamma and really be able to say, here's what I do. I know that I do it best. And right now I'm going to be the one who does it. But the only way you'll understand all of my employees, all of my supporters, all of my planners, everybody else, is to share that wealth and have them have an understanding. You know, when I was um, heading up operations at my firm, I made a very large point of telling people why they were doing things. And we've mm -hmm. lost that a little bit. So when I jump into a portfolio management implementation, for example, and they're setting up a new system with billing, I'm like, do you, under, do you understand what a fee percentage is? Like why this is important? Do you understand why you're the most responsible person in this office having to debit $3 billion in fees in one quarter and make sure everybody gets paid correctly. Like, that's a big deal. Yeah. That's, that's bigger than having the keys to the office. And today that's not even a thing anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So I think people have lost touch with why they're doing what they're doing and having that. And I know that sounds cheesy, but I think that we need to understand why are you having a two-hour financial planning meeting? Mm -hmm. What's good, coming I mean, out a, of that? It's a good reminder, right? Yeah. And I think everyone's going to be a little rusty. Right. Um, but also just, again, back to the growing pains, like right. stuff gets lost or you forget about the, pro you forget about made, like as an advisor, as you grow, you might forget about what made you successful. Oh, absolutely. You know, like you talk about everyone's special. Every advisor is special, right? Mm -hmm. We do stuff differently. <laughs> yep. And Navaplan manages countless uh, enterprise firms and REAs that like to provide advice in a particular way. Right, which makes that unique and different. And, and we have high configuration levels that allow us to do that. But what I've seen, and I'm sure you've seen it repeatedly, is that gets forgotten about. Yeah. You know, there's almost like this when you add staff, the team based concept, the pair planners, you forget what made you successful. And mm -hmm. how do you retain that? You mm -hmm. know, and technology is a good way to do that. But I think having a consultant like yourself remind you of that, right? Yeah. Or, provide the documentation to say, this is why you've grown. How mm -hmm. can you continue to make sure this occurs? Yeah. Yeah. I would completely agree. Um, you know, when I got into the heavy, heavy lifting of operations, when our firm was growing, um, we, I had initially been doing a lot of client service and really just wearing a lot of hats to make this firm grow to become a billion dollar firm. And there were still two families that were some of our first clients because we started from zero filing with the SEC and working our way up. And there were a couple of clients that really made us. And I always made sure that when they came in for the meetings that I got to sit down because I needed to ground myself again. Sure. I needed to know where they were that 10 years later, right, that was the impact that they made. And I, and I think that that's important. I suggest mm -hmm. that advisors have your client service people sit in a couple of meetings a year. Um, not just to get the accolades, but to know that you had impact on that, right. that you're mm -hmm. pushing sure. those pieces around, you know, to, to make the growth possible. I also think firms have milestones themselves that they might not celebrate. We're always celebrating surrounding like AUM, okay? Ooh, 100 million, ooh, 500 million, great. Um, but that is very leveraged towards sales and executive level, okay? And um, if you earn an A, you got to keep it. And all those people pushing all the paperwork for opening all the accounts and pushing all those systems, right? Why is nobody celebrating when they, like, implement a new financial planning tool, mm -hmm. right? Like, why aren't we celebrating when we finally figured out 
a repeatable process. We click a button and it tells everybody what to do automatically. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. So I think we need to kind of readjust our celebrations in a sense of we just did this to become more efficient. Um, one other thing that firms really don't like and I completely empathize is time tracking. Right? I get this question all the time, like, you know, how do you help an ROI? How can you tell me if I pay you, right, you'll bring it back? I can't. Because mm -hmm. guess what? You don't know how much you're worth, and you don't know how much long it's taking for everybody to do what they're doing, even though you feel like they're inefficient. But if you ask firms to time track just for a week, okay, mm -hmm. buy them chocolate, buy them beer, buy them wine, whatever they need, it's a pain in the butt, but you time track, then implement something, and then ask them to do some processes again, time track again, then you will be able to start seeing what we call a return on efficiency, mm -hmm. right? Were you that much quicker? Did I save you 10 minutes, mm -hmm. right? That 10 minutes, you know, go home early or, you know, hop on Spotify, turn on some music and do something different. But I think that there's a difference in efficiency and people keep using that word without having any mon monitoring surround what sure. it means. the KPI. Yeah, there's yeah. no KPI to it. But at the same time, how does that KPI affect the business? Because a lot of firms don't know what to do with that time. Mm -hmm. So we've talked a lot about it these firms that are bringing you in to really look at kind of what they have been doing and hopefully transform that into, mm -hmm. and certainly I'm sure transform that into something much, much better. But um, <clears throat> let's do a little bit of free advice here because Kristen's not cheap, but let's talk about, I think a lot of experienced advisors would be envious of advisors that are just starting out because they don't have their a bunch of data scattered across a bunch of different systems yet. They don't have, right. they, they, they don't have a bunch of clients that they now need to kind of rework into this new process that they've uh, come up with. So what would be some of the best advice you could give whether it's building a tech stack or building a process first, which I think is a great chicken or the egg question. Like what does come first? What dictates the <laughs> workflows? Yeah. So what uh, what kind of freebies, and, and, and certainly in hopes that they're gonna hire you someday, because I'm sure they will, but <laughs> for new advisors or new firms that are just breaking away or starting out and either deciding how they're gonna build their, their workflows or their tech stack, or you know, like, what do we do first? Sure. Um, a couple things. I've, I think I used this analogy um, previously, but you need to decide if you're going to be driving a Volvo or if you're driving a Maserati, and if you can find the BMW with the leather seats and the sunroof, right? Um, it does fit to that, where, you know, too big to be small, too small to be big, but you do need to fit into the house, but do you need a mansion? And you mm -hmm. need to be ready for that to deploy it. Um, you guys talked on one of your podcasts about, like, conferences, and nobody really knows. You've gone into those vendor areas, and you're just a kind of in awe and walking around. Um, I think you need to be prepared with your needs and your wants of yeah. what you're looking for mm -hmm. in a system. But that doesn't mean I need these buttons or I need these single sign-on tools. Like, that's not a thing. What you need is how does this help our process? Mm -hmm. So I think that when I talk with firms, it's not so much the tech. You guys, every firm can survive in a lot of this amazing tech, mm -hmm. okay? Um, and let's not forget, there are not a lot of choices out there. There isn't. If we look at CRMs, there's five. If we look mm -hmm. at portfolio management systems, there's four or five of them. The issue is that these systems do so much. They're all more than just one thing. And so I think you have to identify the use case for it and then also look at your tech stack to say, what are we committed to versus what are we willing to maybe move on? Um, because a lot of firms are like, well, I don't care. I'm, you know, they'll say to me when they hire me, I'm open to anything. We're open to mm -hmm. any change. No, you, I don't want you to be. <laughs> right. Because mm -hmm. we're not looking to, you know, build a new house necessarily. Um, and a lot of firms do that because they don't want to adopt the tech. They would just ra rather have something new. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you really get committed to, to purchasing something, 
um, you, you know, you have to be committed. A couple, couple of quick tips. Number one, you have to determine with your staff, with the technology, are you going to have a champion of just that piece of mm -hmm. software? I was going to say that, right. Or will you have staff that are champions of the process, meaning that process might include three or four pieces of the technology? No matter what, you need to have lean training. Everybody needs to know how to use it, but you do need to have some champions that are the super you say users. Lean or... training? <laughs> I remember that from college. <laughs> I said, oh did I just goodness. age myself? Wow. I know. That's I know. Floppy Six Sigma's next. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, and now it's traction, right? But um, but I think that you need to have your super users of any system. I love it. But does that translate into the processes. So for example, let's talk about onboarding a new client. That hits your CRM, portfolio management, financial planning, client portal, and it possibly does a lot of the data intake tools. You're doing surveys. It's hitting everything. And so um, are you going to have one champion for each of those systems? And how are they all talking? You know, I used to, as an operations person, I would lock everybody in a room, right? I don't want to hear about it from you and then hear about it from you. Let's get together and really talk through it. And guess what the issue is? It's not the tech. Mm -hmm. It's that we're not running our process through the tech efficiently, right. and that's the issue. So I would say you really need to identify that. And firms are lean; they're lean right now. A mm -hmm. lot of firms are like, well, you know, this person wears five hats. Mm -hmm. I just love. I mean, so you know, there's I mean, so much to unpack, right? <laughs> but like the concept of like meaningful integrations between technology mm -hmm. during the onboarding process, especially, right? Uh, that source of truth concept. Um, but the other one too, which is also, you can kind of unpack would be the concept of like the, the technology champion. We've always been an advocate for that. So I, I, and don't, don't get me wrong. I believe that the technology champion should also understand the processes, sure. right. And the best practices. But once those are established, if you have one or two champions of the software, each of those softwares, they can become the evangelist within an organization yes. to make sure that technology is being used correctly. Almost Agreed. a go-to for questions and answers. And we at Navaplan, we've never suggested to augment your workflows to fit the technology. We've always suggested look for a technology that augments itself to meet your particular processes, mm -hmm. right? Because that's so critical. And but the champion is so it's so of the utmost importance because you said something before the executives or the people at the top should not be dictating software, right? You should be. They're not the everyday user. They're not. They, they're they never not. will be. And if it's not a passion to that those operational individuals or the pair planners or the admin or whoever is managing the day to day within the technology, uh, it will not be successful. Right. I mean, I, I'm doing a large um, Salesforce implementation currently, and I think what's really what's really important is we built what we called an advisory board for this. And so we have a representation of everybody in the room twice a month getting to put their voice into the build and strategy. Now, building Salesforce is, you know, like building a mansion, and it's a lot of work. But we needed to know the perspective of the client service associate and the financial planner and the trader and the executive in order to understand what that system needs and the power it needs behind it. And it's great. When we get into conversations, everybody needs to feel important and everybody needs their voice into that system of, well, that's not going to work for me because mm -hmm. then that throws off my process. And it's crazy. We don't talk a lot about the tech. We talk a lot about the business, which is exactly what you should be doing. That's, that's so critical. That's so critical. Making sure 
technology, the business align, workflows, growth pains. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's just, it's, it's of the utmost critical that we kind of establish all that. And that's what RIA Oasis, we got to change that name. I know. Does so well. (laughs) What an episode. How much fun was this? Talking. (laughs) Stop yelling. I'm not yelling. You always start yelling. Jeez, this is the kind of shit I deal with. Just say wow. Chris, I'll go back to wow. Yeah. Kristen Schmidt, this was this honestly, this was an amazing conversation. I think that hopefully um, our audience listens to this and says we need her to help us with our business because growth pains, technology choices, repeatable processes, that's all the stuff advisors need to be thinking about now in the future. How much fun was this, Tom? Oh, this was fun. Wow, indeed. Wow, <laughs> indeed. indeed. So everybody remember to check us out on your favorite podcast platform. Like and subscribe there. YouTube as well and Stunning HD. You can check us out there as well. Make sure to subscribe. You can find us on Twitter as well. Kristen is R- at RIA Oasis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wow, indeed. Wow, indeed. Thank you, guys. Out. It was a blast.